Hello and welcome to Uncommon Law, my podcast about true stories from my life experience of over 50 years as a lawyer and trial judge. This is a look at the law from the inside out, stuff they don't teach in law school. This is Judge Rudy Greco, retired justice of the New York State Supreme Court. Lawyers uh, in private practice have to be ready for anything. You never know when the phone is going to ring or something's going to happen uh, that's completely unexpected and is going to put you uh, in a place where you're going to test your resourcefulness and, and, and what you can do on your feet. It was a hot summer afternoon in, in Jackson Heights where my office was, and I was looking out the window. I was taking a break from some boring paperwork. Anyway, my uh, activities were, were interrupted by a phone call. The phone rang, and it was a Cuban-American neighbor of mine who happened to be a, a nurse. This guy, Alex, was a swell guy. And he said, Rudy, I have a neighbor. He's a doctor from Burma, and he's got a big problem it's serious. It might even be life and death. He needs help. Can I come over right now? Well, nurses, I admire nurses, and they're good people. They're caring people. I respect them, and I listen to them. They don't panic. And if Alex was saying this was possibly a matter of life and death, it was urgent. And his voice, there was a, a real urgency in his voice. I said, sure, come right over. I'll be waiting. Ten minutes later, Alex comes in with this other gentleman, and he introduces him. He said, this is Dr. Such-and-Such, Such-and-Such. It was a long, complicated name, a Burmese name. And I said, Doctor, nice to meet you. He said, oh, no, forget. I said, what was that name? He said, no, 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 look, everybody calls me Joe. You call me Joe, Dr. Joe. He said, that doesn't matter. Let's keep it simple. He says, uh, I, I don't mind. That's, there's no problem. I said, well, what's the problem? He said, well, I, I have to give you some background. He said, I have to give you some background. He said, Seven years ago, I was practicing in Rangoon, in Burma, and a revolution broke out against the government. And there were street demonstrations right on the street where I practiced and my office was. And the soldiers came and shot people in the streets, the protesters. They killed some people. They wounded a lot of people left people laying in the street. I went out, I'm a doctor. He said, I just reacted the way I guess any doctor would react. And I went out and I took care of people. I started ministering to people, in the, especially the wounded. If they were dead, I, there was nothing I could do, but I, I took care of them. There were plenty of people to take care of. He says, and eventually it all cleared up. Ambulances came and took people away. Trucks came away and took the, the dead people away. And I went back and I got a visit from an old lady who was a client of mine, or a patient of mine, and she was very, very worried. I said, what's the matter? She said, oh, I have to tell you, her son told her that I was on the list to be arrested immediately and executed for helping those people in the street, for helping the people who were in revolt. And the son was a big shot in the army, and he told his mother, he knew that we were friends, he said, this is between us, but you tell him to get out of town immediately. Don't even wait because it'll be too late. He said, I told my wife we knew from the source that this was a credible threat and it was for real. And my wife, who was pregnant, we had one little son who was three years old and she was expecting another one shortly in the next few months. She said, you go, just go. 
We'll worry about us later. Just get out of here because they're not after us. They're after you. He says, so I left. Immediately, I left the country because it wasn't safe. And I found my way to New York. And I came here and I settled in. He said, uh, I, I got a jab, uh, job at, at, a, at a very uh, well-known hospital, a good job as a lab technician because I couldn't, pay, I couldn't be hired as a physician because I couldn't pass the medical boards in English. He said, it was just impossible for me at this point in time. But I have a nice job. I got a good job uh, in recognition of my background, you know. He said, and uh, a couple of years ago, uh, after my wife had the baby, um, we decided that she should come. And they gave her a visa. She was going to come with the two kids, but they wouldn't let her take the two boys. They said, you can have a visa. You can go to New York. You can leave the country. Go wherever you're going to go uh, to visit family. But you have to leave one son behind so we know you're coming back. So she discussed it with her mother. And her mother, the, the child's grandmother, said, all right, leave the little one with me. Take the big one. And uh, he was about six or seven at that time. No, he was, he was three or four at that time. And they left and left the little one with grandma. She came to New York and joined me with the, my oldest son. And the little one was still there. He says, now he's six. The little guy is six. And grandma bought the birth certificate of a little boy, friends that she knew, who died. And he was a 10-year-old, and he died. He had some disease or something like that. But she bought his birth certificate. And with that birth certificate, she established false identity for my youngest son and got a visa for her and the boy to come to New York on their way to Costa Rica, where she had family. And she was going to be on vacation. She was going to take the boy under false pretenses. And she did. And it's all a plan. And they're getting here tonight. The plane left Rangoon. Uh, it stopped in San Francisco. And it will come to New York where she transfers and supposed to go to Costa Rica. They clear customs in San Francisco. And my question is, can we do this? The plan is somehow to transfer my son to me, and grandma goes on to Costa Rica. When she comes back from Costa Rica to New York, she can make plans then as to what she wants to do. She wants to stay, she wants to go back to Rangoon, whatever. He said, can I do this? I mean, the key word here was somehow. Nobody had a plan. So I, I, he said, can you help me? I said, well, the first thing I can do is I can call my brother. My brother Bobby was a, a, a manager for Pan American Airlines. He was manager for passenger service. And I asked him, and he was familiar with situations like this. I said, Bobby, what happens? I told him what happened and, uh, with, with this situation. I said, what can we expect? He says, actually, he says, this happens from time to time. This is not uncommon. He says, it doesn't happen every day. He says, but it happens. And generally speaking, immigration are very kind in these circumstances. And uh, you can probably work it out, he says. And generally, they're helpful. They understand what goes on. And they're sympathetic. I said, oh, that's great. At that moment, I hung up the phone and I told him, into my office comes a young woman lawyer, Sandy, who's a sweet mate of mine. She just came back from immigration in Manhattan. She's an immigration specialist. Best of all, she was born in Burma. She's a Burmese national, speaks the language. 
And she sits down. I introduce her to, to Dr. Joe. And we start talking. And Sandy said, I'll go with the family to the airport tonight, Rudy. It's not a problem, she says. I think we can do, we can do this. We can pull this off. I think it'll be all right. And your brother's right. These things happen. And, and you generally are sympathetic. I said, that's great. I said, well, if anything, you know, just give me a ring, okay? She said, no, no, no. We don't need you to come. We said, I'll go with them. I'm happy to do this. He's my countryman, and he's a hero. This guy is, is a heroic man. And he said, this is a very sympathetic case. I'll go. No problem. So they all set out for the airport. I go home. And at 8 o'clock that night, it's a hot, sweltering night, I get a phone call. It's Sandy. And so what's the problem? She said, Rudy, we're at the Port Authority Police Headquarters. The airline, after they cleared customs, the airline checked that kid's identity and found out it was false somehow or other. It didn't check out. And they met the plane. The officials from the airline met the plane, took the kid right to the police and said, hold this child until we can put him back on the plane for Rangoon tomorrow morning on the next plane going back to Rangoon because he came on the plane with false identification and because we didn't properly screen him, unless we send him back, we will have to pay a substantial fine in the thousands of dollars and the airline is not going to do that. We're going to send the kid back. Well, if the kid goes back under these circumstances, it could be life and death. I didn't know what the government was going to do. Nobody knew what the government would do. Maybe nothing. Maybe take this kid, give him to somebody else, put him in exile, or kill him. And and killing was not out of the question. They would do that as punishment because they would they were made to look foolish, and they want to set examples for, for people. So I called my brother. I said, "Do you know anybody at immigration?" He says, "Yeah, the head of immigration uh, at, at JFK. I know the guy. He's a decent guy." Uh, he says, I don't know if he's there tonight, but, you know, I called immigration at JFK. He wasn't there. He was off. I checked out. The guy lived in Brooklyn, my brother told me. And I checked out information, and sure enough, the guy was listed. And I and he had a name that was distinguished enough that you knew, and my brother told me what neighborhood he lived in. So when I checked the address, it was the guy. I called up and I told him, and he was adamant. He started cursing. How dare you call me at my home, this, that, and the other thing. You have no business to do this. I don't care what you're talking about. And he slammed the phone shut. I says, uh-oh, I'm in trouble now. I better get over there. I said to Sandy, I, I, got, I called Sandy again. I told her to call me back. She called. I said, Sandy, who's there with you at the police station at Port Authority? She says, I have a sergeant here. He's in charge. His name is Mike. Uh, and his last name, I, I don't remember exactly, but I remember it as being a, a Jewish surname, a particularly Jewish surname, sort of like Schwartz or, or Rosenberg or something of that nature. I said, put him on the phone. He said, okay. I said, is this sergeant such as He says, yes. I said, look, uh, my name is Rudy Greco. I'm, I'm, I'm a lawyer, and, and uh, I said... Um, I, I need a favor if you can help out. I, I was happy that he was Jewish because if anybody understands problems of, of uh, refugee problems, it, it might be uh, a Jewish person whose who's, who's history is, is rife with these, these kinds of situations. You know, I was pretty happy. I said, is it possible for you to hold him? I have two questions until I get there. He said, yes. I said, okay, here's the other question. Do you know Kevin Ward? He said, you mean Detective Lieutenant Ward? 
Yeah. He says, in the Port Authority? I says, yeah, Kevin. He says, how do you know Kevin? I says, I was his football coach. He was my quarterback. I was his head coach at Sandlot Football. He says, oh, Kevin and I are good friends. We went to the police academy together. He's a terrific guy. I said, well, I'm a friend of Kevin. Can you hang on to that kid? He says, that kid's going nowhere till you get here. Don't worry about it. He says, I got him. All right. I says, I'll be there. I, I, I live in Jackson Heights. I'll be there in half hour, as soon as I can get there with the traffic. He says, don't worry. He's here. Not going anywhere. So I immediately got on the phone. I tried to call the district attorney of Queens County, who's a personal friend. Got no answer. I found out later he was on a European vacation with his family. He was nowhere to be reached. And I had no luck with the uh, immigration guy who hung up the phone. So I had nothing to do but go to the airport. I went to the airport, pulled up to the Port Authority building where the police station was, their headquarters at the airport. And I met and introduced myself. Sandra introduced me to Sergeant Mike. I said, Mike, hang on a minute while I, I, I talk to Sandy here and find out what's what. He says, sure. The whole family was there. The little boy was there. And they were in a room. They kept him in a nice room. It was quiet. But they were in custody. I said, Sandy, what do we want here? What can we do? She said, look, it's not a problem. If they can hold him overnight and turn him over to immigration authorities in the morning... They will take him immediately to immigration court in Manhattan where I'm telling you the outcome will be favorable because they'll be sympathetic. I have the family here and everything else. She said, if you can get the sergeant just to hold him and not turn him over to the airline people who want to send him back. So I went, I said, okay. And now we had a game plan. So I, I, I knew what I was doing. I said, I said, Sarge, here's the story. If you hold him, immigration, take him in the morning and they'll get him to court. I repeated what Sandy said. He said, that's okay. I said, can you do that? He says, you got it. He said, listen, look at that kid. He's a dead ringer for his father. You know that's his father. He looks like the guy. He says, if you saw the low life that we let into this country every day at this airport, he said, <laughs> with no problem, he said, this is not a problem. This is a humane story here, he says. And the guy's a hero. The guy was a good guy in Burma. He did the right thing. And, and this is a tragic story. He says, it's a plus, you're a friend of Kevin Ward. Any friend of Kevin's is a friend of mine. So the rest is history. Sandy got them to immigration court the next morning. And true to form, the judge was sympathetic and turned the little boy out uh, to the custody of his parents. And a few weeks later, uh, we got together at the invite of the family, at the invitation of the family, with the little boy, uh, Sandy, uh, Dr. Joe and his wife, and the older brother. And they took us out to a, uh, to a restaurant and we had a, a wonderful dinner, and they gave us each, Sandy and I, a, a very modest but very nice diamond ring. And uh, I keep thinking of that ring. I say, well, let freedom ring, you know. That's my freedom ring. <laughs> and the funny thing is that in the last two weeks before I'm actually telling this story, after 20 years, I'm walking home from the local subway station, and this gentleman in a COVID mask and a hat and sunglasses stops me. He says, excuse me, and I'm not wearing a mask. He said, you may not remember me, but I'll never forget you, and God bless you. And he took the mask down, and he had gained some weight. I didn't really recognize him. He said, I'm Dr. Joe from Burma. He said, and you're the man that saved my son, and I can't stop blessing you. We bless you all these years. 
And my family, I said, how are they? He said, well, we live on the other side of Roosevelt Avenue in the other neighborhood, not not far. And he says, I'm retired, and my boys are now uh, 30 years old and 27 or, or, or 26. They're doing great. They're adults. And he says, and, and I would be delighted uh, if you would give me your phone number and we could call you up and get together with my family and you and we'll get Sandy and have a reunion. And I said, sure. And I just thought that this guy 20 years later, as he did 20 years before, turns up out of the blue. And history repeats itself because Myanmar has another revolution and they're shooting people in the street and doing all sorts of things like that. And here's this guy turns up again out of nowhere, out of the blue. Only this time it's under very, very pleasant circumstances. Thanks for listening. Come back next week for another episode of Uncommon Law, Lessons They Don't Teach in Law School. I'm Judge Rudy Greco. Court is adjourned.